0: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie.
1: Yeah.
2: What's going on, everybody? <laughs>
1: Welcome to yet another episode of Anatomy of a Movie I know you cinephiles have been waiting for this one for a while now. This is the show where we deep dive into the latest movies and we do an in-depth analysis from cast, story, production, trivia. We cover it all with diverse perspectives. And I'm so excited because today we are covering The Invisible Man, an incredible film, you guys. And, uh... I'm your host, Mina Nadine, super happy to be back, and this is the first time that I will be covering Anatomy of a Movie with Vito Scuddy. Hello
2: everybody, I'm so glad to be here. I am a frequent producer on this show, and now I'm finally here.
1: Yes, he uh, tends to be behind the scenes, you guys, and I've worked with him very, very often. I love working with Vito. Um, Aw, but thank what you. you... <laughs> of course, and what you may not know about Vito is that he's actually a film school graduate, He's an editor, he's a producer, he went to school for directing, he really has an eye for film, and I think he's going to bring an amazing perspective to this show, because he always does in our conversations about movies behind the scenes. Thank you
2: very much, Mina. Of course, I'm so glad to be on here with you, who has been with Anatomy for so very long. Uh, it's, It's really good to be on here with such a vet that will bring so much respect to a movie that, to be completely honest, I loved.
1: I loved it, too, and I was not expecting to love it, but what was... You know, the Invisible Man about for So, our
2: viewers. here's our log line. When a narcissist is given an inch, he takes a mile. As we follow Cecilia Cass, who is Elizabeth Boss, who was thrown into a situation she could have never expected. That's <laughs> The Invisible Man. It's a horror film, it's by Blumhouse. It's very good.
1: That was the best movie announcer voice I've ever
2: heard. <laughs> you Thank, you so do trailer Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: In a world. In a world. <laughs> Anyways, you guys, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review. So if you have not yet seen The Invisible Man, we do not want to ruin it for you. Make sure to watch it. It's very, very intense. So if you can't handle horror, go with a friend. Please like, go with a friend. Literally, I had to go with a friend, yeah. and she, she fell asleep during it. But, but still, <laughs> but still, it was nice to have someone there <laughs> with me.
2: Um, I went with five friends. And we were yeah. all very different perspectives. But uh, Ryan in the booth actually was with me. And we were both I was one of
0: those friends. Roots. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> Ryan in the booth here. I was one of those friends. And I was under my chair at oh one point. Uh, I was being made fun of when we left the theater. <laughs> it was a little embarrassing.
2: But I had a great time. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much. <laughs>
1: I, was, I was literally shaking. I mean, I went into this thinking, okay, there's going to be jump scares, whatever. From the very beginning of the movie, I was like, uh-uh, I need to walk out. I can't do my this. Gosh. This is too much. It's too tense. But what were your overall thoughts of this film?
2: So I went into it kind of with high hopes. Uh, I normally go into movies with optimism. I, I like to give movies, especially movies, that just pique my interest with advertising the benefit of the doubt. Um, I kind of actually got exactly what I was hoping for. I I expected it to be more of a tense movie rather than a horror movie because like, Blumhouse doesn't really go for cheap scares most of the time uh, from what I've seen of theirs, which admittedly isn't a lot, uh, but that is going to change very soon. Um, And I came out of it really understanding that it was such an introspective film. It was very much advocating for a cause that like I, I'm i glad that it advocated for what it did being that domestic abuse is on several folds it's not just physical it is emotional narcissism is very potent and is very effective mm-hmm. and the story was very effective to me it was very hard to watch but I could not stop watching I was on the edge of my seat the entire two hours that it was going on and I really just think it was so well crafted. What about you? What did you think of it immediately coming out?
1: You know, I loved it. I really really was not expecting to love it. First of all, I need to preface this with mm-hmm. I am not a horror person. Mm. I do not do horror in any capacity, <coughs> but the the weird thing is that I do psychological thrillers. I love mm. Gone Girl. I loved us I loved get out like if it's done in a creative way and if there is a psychological component to it I am all for it because I love like the concept of someone getting into another person's psyche yeah Um, because I'm a sociopath. (laughs) That's why.
0: That's a little harsh. You know, I
1: I really did enjoy this film. I was a little triggered by it Mm -hmm. because I had a lot of empathy for Cecilia. Yeah, just like you know what you were saying. Like, I mean, jokes aside, Mm -hmm. you know, domestic violence is a very serious issue, and I think what this movie did so brilliantly well is that it showed that domestic violence happens at a psychological level. It's not just beating someone. It's literally isolating them from everyone who's close to them. And there was a huge component of gaslighting where Hmm. she was made to think that she was crazy. And even towards the end of the film, we see a lot of things going on where... It's a little questionable where we, the audience, you know, I was talking to my friend and I was, she's like, I was starting to believe him. I'm like, come on, <laughs> like, come on. But that's a real thing. That's a real thing.
2: Absolutely. And the writing, I think, kind of tells to that um, the, the story of this definitely frames it in a light where the audience is supposed to be kind of back and forth on whether Elizabeth Moss is actually seeing things, whether she's actually, but to an extent, I, I kind of like as an audience member. Wanted to believe her the entire time. I think they did a really good job at kind of taking us in the directions that they needed to, better than a lot of films that I've seen that have tried to do this. I also just wanted to mention um, on the fact that you are not into horror and got into it through psychological thrillers. Mm -hmm. I'm actually also generally not a horror fan, but I started upon uh, watching, around my senior year of college, uh, watching fantasy films that derived into the... uh, the genre of horror or thriller, uh, with *The Witch* that was back in um, 2000. I want to say that's 2017, 2018, um, and then kind of dove headfirst into a lot of them because I believe that horror is now definitely more along the lines of where fantasy movies are lying. Right. And I think this movie especially did that so well, where they took a fantastical concept, threw it into a movie. Uh, that is more about the underlying message of, like, this is what domestic violence looks like. This Mm -hmm. is how it can affect somebody. Um, But, like, just made it on that line of unbelievable for the suit and everything to make people more invested into it. That's why I ultimately wanted to see this, because I really enjoy seeing concepts that are very fantastical thrown into like a shorter form, a very like intense story. I think it's a really good direction that Blumhouse is taking a lot of their films.
1: I think you encapsulated that perfectly because now that I'm thinking about it, even when it comes to Guillermo del Toro, mm-hmm. and you know my favorite movie is Pan's Labyrinth, El yeah. Labyrinth del Fauno, And that and he does that so well, just like incorporating fantastical elements, but there is still a believability to what is going on and I loved how this movie was like is Cecilia crazy isn't she crazy mm-hmm. but we're seeing things but we don't know if the things that we're seeing is reality yeah. or if it's her version of reality so there was a lot of that going on as well and I mean I, I just think from beginning to end this was done so well I mean I still keep going back to the very first scene because I feel like that was the strongest scene in the entire movie. Ah, <laughs> Literally. So good. It was amazing.
2: Just, they didn't have to say a word about the they situation. Didn't. I immediately, when she even from Elizabeth Moss's first movement of just taking his hand off of her mm-hmm. carefully as though if she woke him up a bomb would go off right. I uh, can I just take a quick second to compliment Elizabeth Moss directly fantastic job we'll go into it a little bit more but your part in this movie was so incredibly important and you handled it expertly mm-hmm. I don't think uh, she made the movie for me there, a, a lot of the performances were very good, but completely honestly, if Elizabeth Moss did not put in as much as she did into this role, I don't think it would have been as believable, as successful, anything along those lines.
1: I definitely feel like she carried the entire film. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the writing wasn't good. I mean, yeah. the writing was good. I mean, it, Lee, uh, Lee Wannell was the director and the writer, so he did the screenplay, the screen story. Yeah. Um, he's known for the horror genre. Yeah, for
2: Saw, for all right. of the Saws, he's he's the Upgrade. director. Right? Yeah, Upgrade. He also did um, uh, Insidious. I did not watch Insidious because I am a coward. Uh, but I've heard Insidious is very good. There mixed reviews sometimes, but I've heard Insidious as a horror film is very good, definitely. Right. Um, but his writing with Saw with with that genre specifically, obviously he's very honed and I think he's gotten to the point I'm kind of glad to see him move away from the kind of kinchy horror and move into something like Blumhouse Productions where he can kind of hone his craft a little better Right. bring forth psychological horrors that aren't necessarily a gore fest um, that was another thing, well it, w- we'll touch on yeah. that Yeah. I. there was a few moments in this that I was like yeah. that's a little much for the violence but uh, uh. coming from the writer of Saw, I guess he toned it down a lot
1: it was the perfect balance, though, of mm. not just, like, plain-out gore. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the beginning, you don't see the gore. It's all, like, build-up. It's anticipation. It's mm. her running away. Yeah. Um, and the the scene where my heart just, like, dropped was when she accidentally knocks over the dog food. Yeah, she hits the... And it makes, <laughs> yeah, she like, dude, the t- <laughs> insane amount of noise in the middle of the night. I'm like, she's done. Something's gonna happen. <laughs> He's gonna, like, hit her or do something. And I was yeah. so scared. And then she just, like, jumps out... Her sister yeah, comes to the, the rescue. Wall. And then he her,
2: <laughs> comes you know, out crazy, of nowhere.
1: Crazy, crazy. punches through the car, breaking the window. How is that not a clue to her sister? This guy is crazy. At that point, I would never question Ma, Elizabeth Moss' character ever again. I would never question Cecilia. I'd be like, he's crazy. What is going on? Yeah. How could he just punch with brute force through the window? What is going on?
2: But this is where I want to compliment the writing again because I really do think that they set up the way for him to, him being um, uh, Oliver Jackson, right. who plays Cohen in this. Um, Adrian,
1: I, yeah, Adrian yeah, Griffith. Yeah,
2: Adrian Griffith, that's his character name. Um, I think the way that the writing went into him subverting everything that she knew was real and everything that everybody else in the situation knew was real, mm-hmm. I think the execution of that was perfect mm-hmm. because I believed I believed nothing for half of the movie. I, I wanted to believe Elizabeth Moss. I wanted to believe um, uh, Cecilia. Um, but there were just some instances where she was saying that, like, he's in the room, he wasn't in the room. Or, like, he was in the room. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, to subvert all of the expectations of everybody around her, including James and Sydney Lanier, uh, her friends that everything like that. Yeah. I j- it paid off so well. It felt so satisfyingly dreadful.
1: Right. With
2: the email that is eventually sent that is to her Horrible. sister that is like, I don't want to talk to you again. And
1: like, you're mooching just, off of me here. Oh, I'll give you the money. Exactly. Like, oh, so terrible. And even just like, there the the way that the director and like the way the writing is so that you don't know who to question or Mm -hmm. who to believe like the little things the details like she's hanging a dress Mm -hmm. she puts it on the rack and then she goes and the dress is there again and you're like, what is happening? And you realize that she had a drink because they were celebrating yeah. the Storm Reed's character getting into college. Yeah. And so they're drinking and it's like, oh, maybe she like drank, but we also know that she takes medication. Yeah. So maybe the alcohol mixed with the drink and she's experiencing some sort of hallucination or vertigo or she's dizzy or she yeah. doesn't remember what she just did because she's a little tipsy. Yeah. And that's a totally plausible thing. And then you just see other things like the the stove getting like
2: yeah that was obvious uh, to me that was yeah. just i they they made it so that to the audience at least for me they made it so obvious that he was doing these things and yeah. yet it was it was there was nothing she could do about it right and it set me up to like at every single moment i was expecting the worst possible thing <laughs> to happen to her oh my god um they were very good at making me care about cecilia and um by the way, I also wanted to talk about the emotional roller coaster that was brought by Michael Dorman, the brother of uh, Adrian, mm-hmm. of his character arc in particular, of like kind of kind of hating him and like knowing that he's the brother and that he's like a little bit like his brother and also trying to support her while still going through the grief. And then going to supporting him because he's like, I understand. I was also controlled by my brother. And then ultimately what comes to the end, which, spoiler alert, he yeah. ends up helping his brother because he's still under the hand of his brother. I thought that relationship, even though he's certainly a side character, I would I would say, just really took a toll on my trust for anybody in the movie. Right, But... Um, and
1: and he yeah. was yeah and he was an interesting component to the film because he's the one who is the mouthpiece for Adrian like both like in a very literal sense like he's still being controlled by him I have my own thoughts mm. about that because I do think people have free will and mm. I I do think Absolutely. there is manipulation but there is a part of him that obviously is sinister if he yes. can carry out these tasks but um, I I just thought like the concept of introducing money into the equation. Mm like was a very interesting dynamic because it's like okay the the whole crux of the story Adrian is dead, yeah. abusive husband is dead, she's finally free, or so we believe, but we know she's not because the whole premise of the movie is being haunted by by her ex mm-hmm. and then the the whole concept is okay, if she proves herself to not be insane and she's not ruled insane, then she gets to keep the five million dollars, which is paid monthly in one hundred thousand dollar increments for four years. Mm -hmm. Which is another form of control. It's like financial control. Yes. Are you sane? Are you insane? Here's money. This money could like be a gateway to so many great opportunities Mm -hmm. and freedom in and of itself. Um and I remember thinking, just don't take the money. Just don't take it because it's in, in some way you agreeing to any of this, you're still tied to him. Yes. Even if he's dead, you're still tied to him because it's his money. Yes. So there was a part of me that didn't like that aspect of it, but I was like, whatever, he's gone. If yeah. she wants to sign this, she wants to sign it.
2: I thought it was clever writing, it was just, but it yeah. also was dreadful. Yeah, it was also
1: <laughs> dreadful. And I wonder how different things would have played out if anything would have changed if she didn't even want any involvement with the money at all.
2: But imagining being in her shoes in that situation, I can... Uh, being offered that much money, Right, uh, that's the unfortunate part about society is -hmm. that I think I would take the money too because like if if something like that situation were to happen and you actually believed this person to be dead Mm -hmm. um, even though it would be something that would be like oh gosh like there might be repercussions to this $100,000 a month for the rest of your life right I if, not a bad deal. Not a bad deal. Unless he's still alive and is going to take advantage of the fact that you are getting $100,000 a month from him.
1: I feel like it could be viewed in two ways. It can be seen as reparations yeah. for all of the abuse. Like, yeah. it's your due, your due money, your yeah. due whatever. Or it can be seen as, like, this is still something that has control over you and it's linked to him. Like, in yeah. my mind, like, I wouldn't want dirty money from someone who yeah. I've been so hurt by. But like yeah Yeah. five million dollars oh my god and not to talk
2: like a snake but like if it was him not doing it consciously if you just ended up getting the hundred thousand dollars without him consciously being like you're gonna get a hundred thousand dollars I would believe it more and I would take it more because that would be like oh you didn't make the conscious decision to give this to me I'm just getting this because of the way that this panned out so I know there's no ill will behind it but the fact that he did it consciously before he died there was something behind it
1: and there was also psychological manipulation in the letter from the very first line Dear Cecilia, you left me I never (laughs) meant to hurt you It's just like Mm. the constant theme of domestic violence and control by this narcissist who I can't even fathom or like wrap my head around the fact how someone can do this to another human being. Yes. Why someone would want to control somebody in this way. Why someone would want to abuse someone. And it's something that's rampant in our society. Like domestic violence kills. And it's just not just men against women. It's women against men. It's You know, it's it's every sort of combination. And
2: on that topic, I did want to mention that I think something that this movie does really well is brings up very subtle points of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. It, it makes them extreme, but still gets the point across to an audience. If the goal of this movie was to kind of explain the idea of narcissism and explain the idea of abuse mm-hmm. uh, in the means of taking it to the most extreme so that people would actually understand it, I think this did a really good job because this is informative in and of itself to show from even the mi- the minute details of the letter to showing that other people that are surrounding the narcissist or surrounding the person who is the abuser will ultimately take their side because they are also possibly being abused. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's trying to show that a single person who is dealing out abuse is probably doing it tenfold throughout their lives. Um, Now, as to how to deal with it, that's a different question. Um, I would like to believe that there's some metaphor as to um, Elizabeth Moss Mm -hmm. slitting his throat, uh, but I I really haven't been able to wrap my head around the answer that the movie offered. Because right now, and I'm curious as to your opinion on this, Mm -hmm. it seems to me like the movie... Is saying there's not a very good, clean, or easy way to get out of a situation that involves domestic violence, that involves abuse. Right. Like, even the the most powerful in this situation, the most powerful person being the authorities yeah. uh, was undermined by the fact that Elizabeth Moss had to take it into her own hands. Yeah. So, so- uh, it, I mean, like, the general idea is like, oh, if you're dealing with domestic abuse, call the cops. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the cops aren't always able to help. There's a lot of situations where, like, unless they have, like, outright proof they can't do anything actively right but I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on what this movie offered as a solution
1: I think okay definitely that's Mm -hmm. a really good point I think the way you figure out the solution is figuring out the cause like so Mm -hmm. what is something that creates the atmosphere of domestic violence or domestic abuse and okay power imbalance can be one of them like this is a scientist who is extremely wealthy Who has socially isolated Cecilia from everybody who loves her and cares about her? We realize that her sister has no idea what has been going on in her life in terms of the abuse. It was the first, yeah, she's been cut off. So if you really think about like the crux of abuse, the way to get out of it is by letting someone you trust know what's going on. Yes, and slowly finding a safe way to remove yourself from the abuser in a way where he can't come back for you. He or she can't come back for you. So what I loved like the reason why it doesn't work in this movie is because he's invisible. Yeah. He So he, he is can able to always he can yeah. always be around her no matter what. And there's a quote in that movie that where he like tells her, No matter where you go, like I will always be there. I'll always find you and I'll leave a note or something, a trace to let you know that I was there. God so the, the pill whole,
2: bottle. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> so the whole premise of the movie centers around like the invisibility aspect of it. And that's the most interesting thing in my opinion, is that domestic violence is invisible. Mm -hmm. You don't always see physical scars of what's going on. A lot of it is mental. A lot of it is psychological. And so all these things are happening to Cecilia inside her mind and to everybody else, it seems like she's descending into madness because they don't see the signs of abuse. They don't see physical scars. They see someone who is acting in a way that they deem to be crazy or they think, oh, she's not taking her medication or Mm -hmm. what is going on because they don't see that and it's all psychological and only she can see it because it's internal and that is the thing. That, that is the way you escape it, is by letting people know what's going on inside your head and talking to someone about it as well. well.
2: thank you for giving me clarity on that, because honestly I, I that's kind of the perspective that I was looking for, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and not to detract from such an emotional topic, but I do want to move yeah. towards possibly talking about the invisible suit, because I thought that was a really yes. interesting point. Yes. But before we do that, I did want to make a point. Hello, chat! I'm here! I can see you! Uh, if you want to talk in the chat, guys, uh, I am here to take your questions, your thoughts anything that you want we are here every friday at 12 p.m pst if you guys want to talk about movies with us if you guys want to hear us talk about movies it's a changing forum every now and again but please stop in if you're listening on uh on podcasts on apple on uh spotify anything that you uh listen to podcasts on you guys can catch us on youtube at the popcorn talk um, for Anatomy of a Movie every Friday. Please stop in. We would love to chat with you. We would love to talk more and we would love to study the anatomy of some movies with you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Let's the, talk
1: about the invisible suit.
2: So cool. Yeah. So cool the way that they did it. Didn't
1: that look like a bunch of cameras on the that's suit? That's exactly what it
2: was. Yeah. That's, I, like the way that they made technology look like this like just unbelievable shadow creature thing like it I love this because in theory like the original Invisible Man from the 1930s the way that they did it was it was a potion he just turned invisible from that Mm -hmm. um, everything like that but this was a way to modernize it to make it even somewhat believable a few of my friends that I was with when I was watching the movie came out of it and they were like ah that's a little like hoaxy it wouldn't really work blah 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 like to an extent I still believe that like they miss something by the fact that there would probably still be a shadow because it's a solid figure in a 3D mm-hmm. space with light you know yeah. but uh the fact that they did it in a somewhat believable way by making the suit ai respond to the everything around it mm-hmm. i thought it just it was so cool the the fantasy sci-fi nerd in me just like was absolutely on board for it and i hope yeah. that everybody else felt the same way how did you feel about the suit did you find it believable did you hate it
1: <laughs> i love that it was water resistant but not <laughs> but not white paint resistant i love that it was, it wasn't bullet resistant yeah. so we're not going into like marvel territory here it wasn't bulletproof <laughs> but it was water resistant and it was uh, like obviously white paint is the white paint is the way to figure out where the person is and that sometimes scene. a bullet Oh sometimes. my sometimes
2: yeah but the bullet made the technology I, I think I believe the water resistance only because it's like okay the glass over the camera yeah, blah yeah, blah, yeah. blah blah the white paint like yeah. left marks the one thing um, apparently the original 1930 did this by the way I just disclaimer I have not seen the, the original 1930 Mina you have also not I have not seen it um, there is a scene in it that I was told by one of my friends who I watched it with where the invisible man is walking out in the rain <laughs> and you can see his silhouette in the rain and that's kind of how uh, somebody sees him and I I don't know all of the details, but there was the scene where they were outside of the hospital and it was all in the rain and I really, really wanted that to be an aspect of it. But almost the fact that they subverted that and did not do that was was cool. It was an interesting choice. I think they probably thought about it in the writing and were like, no, that's too easy, which feels like what a lot of this film did. They didn't take a lot of the easy routes to get to cheap, like reveals like I, I did you feel as though anything in this movie was cheap did you feel as though any of the like did they was there any moment in this that you feel as though they did not earn
1: not really. I mean, I feel like like I can think of all the moments that were so well done, like the dog barking because the dog can sense a presence because the mm-hmm. dog doesn't need to see it. it. has a sense of smell, and mm-hmm. it knows when there's another human body there. Especially
2: his master. And,
1: <laughs> and seeing the fog. How would you see the fog of his mouth if the whole face is covered, though? That was the part that I didn't understand. Well, like might... How would you see his breath?
2: Well, it might be like, you know those like green morph suits? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like It might just be, there might be like, a little, that kind a of little thing, where he can thing. breathe and stuff like okay. that. Uh, that's that's my thought on that. But I understand yeah. what you're saying, like especially since it was one breath. But right. like,
1: and no footprints. Yeah. Like, you know, everything was like very immaculate. And I guess like, it makes sense, like at yeah. the scene of a crime, like you know, people wear all sorts of things to be able to cover their tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting. I just there was a point in time when I wondered, like, how many suits are there, and. Then there's like a twist at the end that we'll get into later. Mm. But I do want to quickly talk about um, some of the other characters, including Harriet Dyer, the sister, played by... Or Harriet Dyer, the actress who plays Emily Cass, the sister. Yes. We also have Aldous Hodge, who God, plays I James love... Lanier. Mm. Uh, and Storm Reed. Who Dude, is... Aldous
2: Hodge and Storm Reed, yeah, so good. Yeah, Such good characters.
1: They were a huge part of the movie. Um, and I, I think it added a really interesting element to the movie uh the sister especially i kept wondering in the beginning what is her relationship to this man is that her boyfriend or is this guy just a friend and he has a daughter like what is the relationship there are
2: you talking about harriet dyer emily cut uh, yeah emily her has, yeah. relationship um i like honestly i don't know if i need an answer to that personally it just felt like the the relationship that they were trying to establish without telling us was showing that there was a relationship here. They all knew each other in some way. Yeah. And therefore, they were willing to do that. Uh, like, maybe it was the case that she is, like, was once with him, maybe. But they also didn't explain a lot of his backstory. Like, I, I'm really, to an extent, happy that they didn't go, like, oh, well, my dead wife or something like that because mm-hmm. the, the wife wasn't present and and it was right. just him and his daughter. Like, I I personally didn't feel as though I needed an explanation for a lot of that relationship. They did a good job... Uh, doing without telling. Right. Um, did you feel the same way or did you feel as though you needed a little more based off of the
1: in, in the beginning, I felt like I needed a little bit more just because I, I remember I kept thinking, okay, so is Emily Cass's boyfriend James Lanier mm-hmm. and is that her stepdaughter? Like what's going on or is that her daughter? And I just wanted to know what the relationship mm-hmm. was. And when I saw that her sister wasn't, like with the guy then i was like wait so they're not that's not her boyfriend mm-hmm. cuz i kept thinking like the reason she wasn't in the same house was because the sisters like you can't be here he'll find you mm-hmm. i didn't realize like they're all living together i was super confused by that bit and i felt like it altered the story for me a little bit is not knowing the exact relationship of who yeah. this james character was in relationship to both yeah. sisters
2: but to be fair i think that it it did display that um that Elizabeth Moss's character like was staying at uh, Storm and Aldous's, I'll just say James and Sydney's house. Yeah. Um, sorry, I keep switching between the names. Um, Because one, he was a cop. She probably felt protected. Mm-hmm. Two, she wasn't with her sister. And uh, Elizabeth's character, well, Cecilia, uh, Cecilia knew that... Um, uh. Gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to go between. Yeah. Cecilia's sister knew that. Adri- uh, Cecilia knew that Adrian would know where her sister was. Right. Um, and so they had
1: to be with like a person who wasn't known, no no really. affiliation,
2: and maybe they used to have affiliation, and that it was so disconnected that before the relationship, right? Like Cecilia didn't tell Adrian about anything that happened between the two of them, but it just like. I really enjoyed the performances that they that they had because I like again I felt like I didn't really need to question the relationship for me to get into it because it was obviously it was obvious to me that they all cared about each other that Mm -hmm. this was a thing that was a favor for Cecilia and for her sister it was something that was a burden on Adrian I mean not Adrian on James
1: James yeah um,
2: but it was not something that he wasn't willing to do because he cared about either the sister or for cecilia so much. Mm-hmm. Um but also I just want to say gosh, James and Sydney throughout the entire thing were some of my favorite characters. They were great. And anything that happened to them throughout the entire movie, I was just reeling. Um To talk about the violence for a second, Mm -hmm. uh, something that actually had me a little cringing during the movie was the scene where um, James is being held up by Adrian or whoever was in the suit at the time, either Adrian or his brother, and we just watch him getting the absolute crap beaten out of him. And like after already watching uh, Cecilia kind of get thrown around. Like, I was I was a little bit weird. It was just, like, very visceral, and I could tell that they were doing it for that reason. I think if any part was cheap for me, it was that part. I did not need to see Aldous Hodge get beaten half to death yeah. in front of my eyes from the perspective of Adrian.
1: I, I think the reason it was so important is because... He wanted to hurt Cecilia in whatever way possible. And when I say he, I mean Adrian. And, you know, complicit with Adrian is Tom Griffin, played by Michael Dorman, who is Adrian's brother. And we find out that there are two suits and that's the second one and you know that Mm -hmm. it felt like scooby-doo when she unmasks him and it's like wow this person that you semi-trusted that you thought wasn't doing this that was also a victim is the perpetrator of this crime yeah like kind of showing you that the people closest to you that are unexpected are the ones who can hurt you the most yes and just this the the betrayal in that Mm -hmm. in that alone um But we already knew he was a shitty character because of the previous interaction she had with him where he's like, just keep the baby, and he seemed to know about it.
2: Gosh, that scene just, I I was really hoping that he wouldn't turn out being that way, but the fact that he did, one, well-written, two, I was just like, oh, I'm so mad. Why can't anybody be cool for her?
1: That (laughs) adds another sexual assault layer to the entire thing because it means that she was raped by the invisible man, Mm. and that's like something that I don't think people are talking about right now is that rape was involved.
2: Yeah. They they at very least alluded to it in that like one scene talking about how she had a baby. Right. Um, do you think that that such it, a violation. Yeah. in so well, many ways. There's yeah. a violation
1: of privacy with the with the emails, there's a violation of trust, and then there's a violation yeah. of of something sacred like that yeah. where she's sexually violated and raped.
2: What I was going to ask was, do you think that that happened with the invisible suit or do you think that happened before anything with the suit happened? Do you think that happened while she was still in the house with him? Maybe we're just arguing over a semantic detail. No, no, that doesn't no. Really I I think
1: it definitely had yeah. to have happened with the invisible suit yeah. because it seems like she had no recollection of ever having sex with him, right? Mm -hmm. Because there was a period of time that he was dead, and then the fact that she was dumbfounded by it me- like I yeah. really do think that it happened after but one could argue that it happened while she was still with him because yeah. he knew she was taking birth control. Yeah. She thought that she was smart enough to hide it from him but he was replacing the birth control tablets with something else yeah. because he wanted to get her pregnant. Yeah. Also, so you could argue either way.
2: Side note just in the chat Diamond Rattler thank you for joining us uh, Diamond Rattler says uh, Adrian was never in the suit it was his brother. I actually think that um, there was a point in that movie where they made you want to question that mm-hmm. I think he was Adrian definitely was in the suit. I think that was the point of the ending, finding him in uh, the locked basement. He realized that he was going to get caught, so he made his brother get into the suit and do it. I don't think it was his brother the entire time. I think it was Adrian at some points, and I think that it was also... um, what was his name? The the brother. Um, I think it was Tom. Some other times. Yeah. I think most of it was Adrian. And then. What about
1: in the hospital though? The the, the, the hospital. I think all was, of them. I
2: think that was a combination of the two of them. Me, it, the group that I was with was arguing about this. Um, not arguing, but having yeah. a discussion about this. At the end, we think that there was a possibility that uh, there was a handoff involved, where right. there was a car. The car that was there, it wasn't just a one man operation. We think it was both Tom and Adrian. Uh, coming to the same place. Tom went in, swapped the suit to Adrian kind of thing. Um, but I think that was the point of the writers. That was That's what the writers were trying to do, were to get us to not know right. whether it was Tom and Adrian by the reveal of that. Um, and I I don't think there's a definite. I don't think mm-hmm. there's a definite Tom was here, Adrian was here, Tom was in this scene, Adrian was in this scene. Right. Um, and I, I like it better that way. I like better personally not knowing when and where each of them was, yeah. Because then we don't know how involved either of them were. We're supposed to be questioning at the end, but I personally don't think there's any question that Adrian was in that suit, 100%. doing one hundred percent. He was doing it some one hundred percent.
1: And even if he wasn't in the suit, he's still the one who created the suit and yeah. carried out this plan. Yeah. I mean, he's the one with the ulterior motive. Why yeah. would it, what what motive would his brother have to torture this girl? Yeah. Like it just doesn't make sense.
2: Though there is, there's probably conversations. going going on where it's saying like in the end was it true that Adrian actually was kidnapped actually did not do all of this of which obviously the writers did yeah and thank you for doing such a job a good job writing this Um, I think I I almost don't want to deliberate it on it too much yeah. because part of me still wants to believe that Elizabeth Moss's character um, Cecilia was in the right for understanding that this was something only her abuser could do mm-hmm. but like even if for instance, he was staying at home, wasn't in the invisible suit the entire time, and it was Tom. It wasn't Tom. It was Adrian telling Tom, do this. It was some sort of relationship where Tom found that for his brother, one way or another, this was going to happen. And I think that Adrian is made smart enough to be like, hey, you're gonna do this for me because look at all these things that she's doing to me. Mm -hmm. And so I don't get caught... You do this the whole time. Right. So even if it was Tom in the suit the whole time, which I think, Di- I think yeah. it
0: wasn't. Sorry to chime yeah. in. I, yeah, I th- absolutely. I, I, I at one point I thought that. Yeah. But I think the prime example to show wh- how at least both of them were in it was there's one scene the first time that uh, that Elizabeth Moss character goes back to the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She abandons like she gets in the car and there's someone in the invisible suit in the house. Yeah. So, she remember, she called the Lyft, and they were like, Lyft? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was
1: my favorite. That was my favorite scene, because I was like, only a Lyft driver would wait that long. Yeah. And an Uber <laughs> driver would have been like, see you later. I gotta go. Search pricing is going on right now. See ya. And, but, like, yeah. I love that it was Lyft. But she drives nice to the touch. place. Yeah.
0: She drives to the other house, and there's someone already in there. Yeah so I mean yeah you could theorize maybe like he hung on the back of the car maybe something, something. Li- yeah. but I think that means like hey there were two suits Yeah, and, th- and they make that very clear that there were two the
2: fact that there were two suits in the first place I, I think Ryan brings up a very maybe good point maybe even that
1: three because she hid one of them there's a possibility a that, that there were three yeah
2: absolutely there could have been multiple I mean the point was he was an optics expert he right. knew how to make these suits the- if there was one if there was two there could be three and uh, you're not supposed to know the answer to that Yeah, and I really appreciate that about this story i know we talked a little bit beforehand and there were some parts that weren't very believable for you or answers that you didn't get (laughs)
1: and we'll get into that absolutely
2: um and also he says he says surprise yes that's right that was his voice that's that's correct That was Adrian. Yeah. Um, But I I do think that the fact that they did not give us all the answers, like in any film, Mm -hmm. sometimes, especially with fantastical films, with sci-fi films, getting answers often is worse than not getting answers. But also, but also,
1: you know, and I agree with that, but also Adrian's phone was at the very top of the attic. Yeah. And like there were all these other Tom clues that it that, was though. Adrian's, it was yeah. Adrian's presence, Absolutely. and we 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 know that. But um, I I want to ask you about yeah. the very very end yeah. when she finally gets an Elizabeth Moss's character yeah. after going through the loss of her her sister and being framed for it, which was that a pivotal. Scene pivotal moment in the movie. Oh my god that where, scene. Where you think like oh she's gonna be in a public space it's gonna be safe oh my god. there's no way Adrian can torment her now in front of all these people and she finally tells her sister and we <laughs> finally feel her sister starting to believe her story and then the invisible man lifts up the knife slits the rope the, th- <laughs> thank you for the thank the- you Ryan that was so unnecessary
2: oh,
1: god. <laughs> slits the throat
2: that scene of the
1: sister and then elizabeth moss's character gets framed for it cecilia is holding the knife everyone in the restaurant starts running out and freaking out and this screaming lady in the restaurant is just like that scene it.
2: was the most terrifying and satisfying scene it was satisfying in a bad way i mean right. satisfying in the way that you know that that was a moment that All of this has led up to. Yeah. That, like, I mean, besides the ending, which I feel was definitely earned, it's just going back to the idea of earned moments. I think that this moment was something that nobody saw coming, but I felt as soon as that happened, I was like, oh my God, of course. Mm -hmm. Like, why would he stop? He doesn't need to. Yeah. He's got a suit that makes it so that he could do anything.
1: And I never thought it would go to that point of him of him actually murdering. Yeah. I never thought it would get to that point, but he wants to kill all the people around her and socially isolate her and yeah. get his vengeance for him for her leaving him. Real
2: quick side note to uh Diamond Rattler, I would um not not to kind of be mean about it, I would go back and watch the film. The suit that Tom was in got shot, broke, it, they pulled it off. Cecilia had the other suit to be able to kill Yeah. uh, Adrian with. So there were two suits confirmed. It was hidden. Uh, It was the one that she hid in the vents, and then there was another one that was being used by Tom in the uh, hospital where, uh, not the hospital, where did he eventually die? At the house. Yeah, at at the house. house. Yeah, Yeah. it was eventually, we saw the suit was broken, he was dead. What? She doesn't know optics, so she couldn't have built another one. There was two.
1: What do we think about the ending where she goes into the house with Tom? I mean, sorry, with yeah. Adrian, he sets up this beautiful dinner for her. It's like very creepy and unsettling. <laughs> and then we see that she, we know that she's wired. Yeah, We know that she's wired. Um, What did you think about how that entire scene played out from the very beginning of that the tenseness of that conversation to her going to the bathroom? Did you think that he was going to do something crazy? Did you ever believe that he was innocent in any capacity? And then when you saw the very end, like, we'll get to that one later, too. But, like, what were your thoughts leading up to that crazy scene at the
2: end? Shout out to Oliver Jackson, who played Adrian. Uh, You knew how to portray somebody that was vacant behind the eyes. You it, like his performance, like immediately as soon as I saw him that feeling of dread arrived. I never believed anything good about his character. Mm-hmm. Everything that led up to this so far, he had this this front of being formal, of being like wanting this, of, of wanting to be kind, but there was just something about the way that he portrayed his performance, something about the way that he stood, all of the intricate movements, everything that was set up, it just showed how controlling he was. It showed he wanted to bring her to the house. He knew he knows how she feels about the house. He knows how she feels about the territory. And I, I thought the performance of that character, even though he was only in five minutes of it, mm-hmm. like technically he was, he was only on screen for like 10 total minutes. Right. I thought that the payoff of her killing him was great. And I thought he was showing his controlling aspects, even through being nice, the entire time. Mm-hmm. The, like, the, the gaslighting. Min- yeah, absolutely. All the minute details of him being like, oh, this is a nice place. You can be safe here. While knowing exactly what he did, how he did it, and what was going on. Right. Like, all of that combined, just, I I bought it, and, like, I really was never on his side.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that
2: some people could be. I think that that's, that's the intricacy in this performance, is that it shows a man who besides all of the abuse could be seen as somebody who was a good person who could be seen as somebody who on the surface level is believable to mm-hmm. being empathetic but at the end of the day he was controlling that entire situation he brought her into his den mm-hmm. in order to do like and offered her things sweet nothings that meant absolutely nothing and right. she knew it and that that final scene felt very satisfying to me
1: i love that she used the same thing that traumatized her mm-hmm. where you know he slit his sister's mm-hmm. uh, he slit her sister's throat yeah and she used that same exact device yeah. as a way to empower herself and free yeah. herself from what had happened god the same and exact used the knife. same violence with the, <laughs> like, with the suit literally. too like yeah i thought that was insane i do want to very quickly go over some plot holes that yeah, i noticed and absolutely. get your thoughts on it yeah
0: I just, want to, I just want to add one thing real quick. Yeah, absolutely, uh, This just, just to clear something up. Yeah, uh, the director actually did confirm Tom was uh, the only the decoy in the one scene. Gotcha. Thank which you is very the hospital much. Hospital home at the end. Right?
2: Thank you very much. Yes. That, oh, uh, he,
1: Tom was in the hospital for sure. Um, yeah,
0: because he got in the car yeah. and drove to the house. Yeah.
1: Okay, I kept wondering if Adrian was the one in the hospital, and then he escaped, and then Tom was coming from a different direction into the house.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, that's a good. That's a. Yeah. I mean, that's possible too. Yeah,
1: because I no. thought there was a possibility of either one, and they left it open to interpretation. Yeah. But and thank you so much, Ryan. But in terms of plot holes and questions. Literally, this was driving me crazy. How okay. did nobody check up on the dog, especially when Elizabeth <laughs> Moss was like, my dog, I'm going to come back for you. Like, don't I... worry, I'm not going to leave you. And then she knows Adrian is dead. Does no one say, hey, where the hell
2: is this dog? Okay, I thought about it this way. Actually, I don't think it was a plot hole. I think she was like, look, go free. I can't take care of you. If I take you, he'll be able to find me. You'll be astray for a little bit, but somebody will eventually find this dog because they were close to the city. Yeah. I think that she didn't have the time to think about it, but did have the time to think about, I don't want this dog to be with Adrian, because I think it was obvious that Adrian abused the dog as well. Was it? The oh, dog, of the collar? Not only the collar, but the dog was very scared and timid around him the whole time. Never wanted to go down into the basement. When she went down into the basement originally, the dog was like sitting up at the stairs, all very scared. I
1: never picked up on that. That's yeah. such a good point. I yeah. kept thinking that he was loyal to both owners. Yeah, I
2: think he was loyal. I mean, a, a dog is the ultimate showcasing of its owner. Yeah. The dog was scared, but loyal, because a dog dog will never question its loyalty i mean adrian is all the dog ever knew yeah but to an extent it also knew the limitations that it had with adrian it had to be loyal but also was very terrified of adrian because adrian was probably physically abusive right or in ways like needed the dog to be in line with him it doesn't surprise me that adrian had a dog that only he could kind of reel in
1: right
2: and I, I guess i guess i'm just curious like
1: the minute she found out like he died he died in quotation marks two weeks after she left like wouldn't she be like let's find the dog and then if the dog was there it would always bark whenever there was like another presence but anyway plot hole number two um Are paint and bullets the only thing that can indicate his presence?
2: I think the paint was just an aspect to show that something, like, that was colored could be on the surface of him. Like, the, like, material can stick to the suit. Because he was a solid object. If you throw paint on it, like, it'll be there. Mm -hmm. Um, Bullets, he just shot through the suit. It just, it... If you put a hole in something, it's probably going to be defective. That's true. I can imagine that, like, uh, with the cameras being on the suit, it's, like, if you destroy one or if you destroy an area, the, like, whole conglomeration of the suit is, like, not able to hold up as well. Like I, I don't know how the suit was made, but like from what I understand about electronics, yeah. if you punch a hole through a computer, it's probably not going to be able to work. All the way. Right. That's why. That's why I thought water
1: would be like a terrible thing for like yeah. a camera. But there are waterproof cameras. So and I also imagine if
2: this is optics for the military, it was probably something along the lines of we need a suit that is waterproof, so we can do all of these missions and yeah. be able to do this. That's. I imagine he worked for the military because that's the only reason you would have use for an invisible suit. Why else would you use it?
1: Okay, and I, I have two I have two left. Um I just thought of one right now. There was no death certificate or anyone like when, when a body dies,
2: yeah,
1: it goes through a process yeah. of being declared like by the state, there's yeah. a death certificate, there's a whole process you're not just like, oh, here's ashes in an urn. Like that would indicate to me that the brother was guilty the whole the whole time because there's no death certificate. I'd be like, if I was so traumatized by something, I'd be like, where the hell's the death certificate?
2: I'm not gonna lie, I've never cert, sur- I've never thought about a death certificate in my life. I I did not <laughs> like that is a plot point that like if they brought up like, oh, here's his death certificate. I think that would have been less believable than the urn, and the urn wasn't believable at all because okay. that's just a document you could just forge. Yeah. Like he he was know, able to yeah, get he was true. able to get a newspaper story about. It and somebody to get him ashes in an urn. Right. Like, I don't. (laughs) Fake news.
1: This is the fake news media that we live in. This is it. (laughs) They were bought out. This is like why there are celebrity death hoaxes all the time because people aren't fact checking. Okay, my final one, and this was a huge plot hole, you guys. Like, this is the one where I'm like, if you just looked at the damn security cameras, problem solved, nothing would happen. So there's a scene. In the insane asylum where everyone's getting, like, murdered by the invisible men. They're getting dragged. Like, crazy shit's happening. Excuse my language. And Cecilia runs out to the entrance, and there's all these security guards. And behind the security guards, you see a room filled with monitors. Yeah. How do they not see so here's this the, happening? This is,
2: I think, I think this actually says something for the movie that I thought was really important: the idea of immediate action, not being able to get all the context. Because, like, for instance, she was in that area. Like, a scene that alluded to this scene and what would happen in it was with the daughter, was with Sydney and James. When, when Adrian or Tom, I, it was Adrian at this point, mm-hmm. punches Sydney.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, she thinks it's it's. Uh, Cecilia but Cecilia's because the, hand
1: never moves but
2: there's nobody else in the room Yeah. so her logic the reason that she was like the only person that could do this is Cecilia mm-hmm. she doesn't know that Adrian's there she has no idea that the invisible suit is a thing so the only idea in Sydney's brain is oh my god Cecilia just punched me that's probably exactly what happened at the hospital because it was the aspect of the people that were there that got killed knew that there was something happening that they couldn't see that was killing them, but the guards that were coming outside, they were just like, there's a woman with a gun and a bunch of dead bodies, and I she's the only person here. Like I actually thought in that scene at the hospital when she's outside and has the gun, I really thought that she was going to get shot by a security guard because... She, as far as they know, opened fire. Right, uh, like if you if you go into it, you cannot like check a monitor be like, hey, what the heck is happening here? Check the monitor and then go. Like, this was an active shooting situation. Right. They didn't have time to look at that. So I understand why that might have come off as a plot hole, but I mm-hmm. actually think that uh, that was a very clever device to show that Cecilia was, again, not in control of this situation. An immediate action needed to be taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was able to get away with it because she was giving uh, such immediate action. Right. Like, if those guards with the rifle saw her, she would have been dead.
1: Yeah, I mean they would have. But if you looked, if they looked at the monitors, they would have seen bodies being dragged, and they would have seen that she was one in one area. The gun wasn't pointed towards them, and all this stuff was happening. Like my
2: my only answer to that is just bad security guards. If you and I, without seeing this movie, yeah, like. Saw what happened there. Yeah, we would just draw conclusions. Yeah, my first first idea would not be, oh, there's a man in an invisible suit murdering everybody. I don't think that would be uh, the conclusion that I, as a security guard at a mental hospital, seeing a woman run around with a gun would make.
1: I totally get that. I know (laughs) what you were telling me behind the scenes, uh, and we do have to wrap up really soon, but what you were telling me behind the scenes was that the plot holes weren't enough uh, for you to, you know... To, to not Absolutely. be in the movie. Like we were both still very much into the movie. Yeah. I just noticed all these plot holes and I was like, "Come on now." Yeah. Um but yeah, very quickly in terms of audience reception on Rotten Tomatoes, um on the Tomato Meter which is scored by critics, mm-hmm. The Invisible Man got 91%.
2: Thank goodness.
1: Audience score 88%, a little lower, a little surprising.
2: Still really high still though. Still very high. I mean, Blumhouse still, man, there. Still very
1: high. And in terms of uh, budget, this was an under $10 million budget, Yes, and there's you a have seven, the stats.
2: So uh, just to give the stats for a minute, um, Blumhouse produced this. It was $7 million to $9 million estimated budget. I don't know if that does include a- um, advertising or not. I don't think it does, but it doesn't really matter regardless. Opening weekend, they made $28 million. They've made $35 million gross in the United States. Crazy. And they made $55 million worldwide with this. Ladies and gentlemen, that is approximately 35 to $40 million dollars of profit blumhouse does it again i really think one good job thank you for making and supporting these films like this two thank you for supporting smart production because i think the fact that uh they are taking these movies that are not costing 80 million 90 million dollars and only making 30 million back like i i've seen a pattern recently where a lot of movies and at very least an opening weekend will make no more than 30 million dollars. Blumhouse has found a way to make it profitable every single time, and I like I just am so happy and hope to continue to see these kind of productions go through. Um, whether through Blumhouse or through somebody else, mm-hmm. I, I really think that this is just a way that works and it's putting out really good movies.
1: And it's a smart, yeah, it's a smart business model, and also like something I noticed is. You don't have to go for an A-list celebrity. You can cut down on cost, get an actress who is phenomenal at what she does, Kate Moss. Like, so holler at Elizabeth you. Elizabeth Moss. Thank or, you. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, I've, been, Moss. I've wanted to do the same <laughs> thing. It's keep, okay. I keep thinking Kate Moss, but I know Elizabeth Moss. Um, I mean, she's in Handmaid's Tale, Mad Men. Like, she's no stranger to the screen, but this is her first lead role in a blockbuster movie. I can't
2: wait to see her in many more.
1: I think this is going to be the start of something really great for Elizabeth. Do
2: you see anything for award season?
1: You know what? I've been thinking about this. I know with Lupita Nyong'o, she yeah. did an incredible job as with, the lead in yeah, us. us. Amazing. No, and I <laughs> and I know that Florence Pugh got a lot of buzz surrounding yeah. Midsomar. Yeah. Um. I don't know how this is going to hold up compared to those two. Understandable. But I hope that Elizabeth... You know, gets like her do yeah. like her do accolades and yeah. like gets cast in more of these roles. Elizabeth,
2: people are seeing the amount of subtlety that you are putting in your performance. I think that you deserve as many awards as you can get for this. Uh, for people who have been in situations with domestic violence, with yeah. people that have been in situations like this, this was such. I can only imagine how difficult this role was yeah. to portray, even as well as she did. Uh, it, it was amazing. The the just minute details that she put into every piece of her body language, every movement that she made, every delivery of her lines. The writing was very good, but she made it better. She definitely and did. I, I know that she probably had a lot of practice doing it with Handmaid's Tale, because Handmaid's yeah. Tale is a very similar role, but I think that this was handled so incredibly well, I really want to see her get accolades for it, because I I was convinced the whole time. If, if mm-hmm. her performance was even a little bit off, the whole movie would have been much less believable. Yeah. But
1: there were waves oh, of it. Like there gosh. was the wave where she had her breakdown and she was in the insane asylum yeah. and she's screaming like, he's invisible. He did it like that in and of itself is like that Oscar worthy performance. Yeah. And, you're and looking then the scene for. going out and to then the, the mailbox. Subtlety of, like the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> everything was so great. Yeah. And the sound mixing, the sound was so great. Um, I do want to talk about legacy very quickly before yeah. we wrap this up what do we think people will be saying about this movie in decades to come? Do you think it's going to be forgotten and lost in the mix, or do you think people are going to be talking about this for a while? I
2: unfortunately think, just because of the kind of way that movies are right now, it probably will get lost in the mix a little bit, but I think maybe years down the road, people will look back at it and be like, this is really cool. I think we're just kind of, uh, as as like moviegoers, we kind of are always on, like, that's great! On to the next thing. And especially with Blumhouse producing as many movies as they are, and a lot of movies like this going, I think this, to the the general public eye, I obviously a, l- a good amount of people turned out, but it wasn't as much as, for instance, Sonic the Hedgehog. It mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't as much as like big blockbuster movies. This is, at the end of the day, a like more indie based. It's not indie, but it's indie based thriller. Right. And I think, like a lot of the thrillers that come out of the like 70s and 80s, this will be looked at in 20 years and be like, oh my god, this was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, right now, I. I don't think that a lot of people in a year are going to look back and be like uh, unlike us or unlike um get out. I don't think they're going to look back and be like, "Oh my god, that movie was so incredible." Yeah. I don't think um, it's
1: as crazy as a as a concept. Yeah as those other two movies and that's the only reason I do agree with you yeah. like it's a good movie yeah. but conceptually it's not as weird or unique as the other two premises yes. Um, I do think however that Elizabeth Moss is going to be remembered in yes. this role 100% but I don't think the movie as a whole is going to be remembered in the same way as Elizabeth Moss will be I for think her people, portrayal in this role I
2: think people will come back to this movie for Elizabeth Moss yeah. and then be like oh my god this is an interesting movie Right. I think you're right
1: and uh go see it
2: yeah go see it please <laughs> please honestly um i really think it's worth a watch uh it's i haven't seen a lot of thrillers but on the line of thrillers that i've watched this kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time um it was it was Dreadful, but in a good way. It was so interesting, intriguing to watch. The performances were incredible. The cast was really well done. Uh, Please go see it.
1: Yeah, I 100% echo that sentiment, you guys. I definitely recommend seeing this movie. And this is coming from someone who is not a horror person at all. I do love this on a psychological level. I love what it has to say about domestic violence. And I love the crazy twists and turns that we see in the movie. Uh, highly recommend it. Yeah. And thank you so much for tuning in. Can't to wait to see more from Leigh Yeah. Uh, this week's Anatomy of a Movie at Popcorn Talk. And thank you so much to Ryan and the Booth, our yeah, producer, for, for chiming in with amazing sound effects, commentary. We love you, Ryan. And Vito, it has been such a pleasure. It's been so I hope great this talking isn't my you. last time talking I to I you to be because able I able love chatting with you. With you, as well. yeah. you. Uh, where can everybody find you on social media? If you're social interested.
2: Media. If you're interested in finding me on social media, you can find me anywhere at vScuddy That's at V-S-C-U-T-T-I. Mostly on Twitter and Instagram.
1: And I'm your host, Mina Naidin. You can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, and most importantly, on TikTok at Mina Makes Magic. <laughs> I'll see you there. Thank you
2: guys so much. Bye, everybody.